Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Two seconds. He'll get a shot off on the way. Got it! Finds one and there's your game winner. On the move, on the way. Tucker will score. Sean Tucker with a touchdown. Gillen. Got it! Derek, you win! Are you serious? Five down. One to go. Syracuse is playing for the national title. It's too long, and Syracuse is your national champion. Who's out? Who's out? Who's out? Who's out? Who's out? What's up, Syracuse fans? Mike McAllister from AllSyracuse.com with episode 53 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast, presented by Hoffman Sausage Company and Bet Online. The man, the myth, the legend, Josh Crawford, is here with me to talk about Syracuse Clemson, a top 15 matchup. It is the first time that two 6-0 or better teams have faced off in Death Valley ever, which is crazy to me, uh, considering how good Clemson has been for a long time. They've had some unbelievable teams, and they've been in the ACC. Florida State's been really good, and some other teams have been really good. And uh, they've they've still never had uh, two six and zero or better teams. So Syracuse is uh, creating a little bit of history there. So good for them. Um, and it's going to be the first time that Syracuse has played in a game where it's been at least six and zero, as has its opponent since 1959. When oh by the way, Syracuse won its only national championship. So a lot of uh, interesting history things going on with this matchup it has the eyeballs of the college football world i was on a radio station in south carolina today so let's do it syracuse clemson are you amped are you excited josh crawford i mean you know i of course i am excited flying colors you know like you said this is the only thing that matters a lot around here which obviously we're going to talk about it because you know that's what we do but it does matter around the country everybody will be you know a 12 o'clock game which not ideal for national eyeballs, but right at the college game day, we'll get to see Lee Corso put the helmet gear on as he, um, I don't know, we got to get Corso off the air, man. He a little too old for that. <laughs> a little too old for that, dog. He's, he's, he's past his prime. Man, come on now. Come on now. But no, so it's interesting to see how, you know, it, I think even, you know, everybody talks about, you know, David Leary being missing for the uh, last week's matchup, but that taking off some of the uh, rust and lust and shine off of, you know, two having a two ranked teams in a dome. So there's no precautions for this uh, this week in Clemson, one of the most raucous um, environments in college football. No major injuries that we know of that is guaranteed to be out. Um, so yeah, for all all roads ahead to the issue, all to Death Valley, and uh, you know it should be a really good game. In fact, Syracuse actually is the more banged up team coming into this game. It's, we don't know what the status of Garrett Williams is going to be. Uh, we already know that they're down starters like Stephon Thompson and Chris Elmore and, and those guys, uh, Terry Lockett. So Syracuse is actually coming into this game more banged up than Clemson is. So um, if anything, if Clemson ends up winning, I think it shouldn't really count that much as based on the way that people treat Syracuse's wins, right? doesn't count. They got injuries. Well, Syracuse has injuries. Clemson win doesn't count and Syracuse remains undefeated. That's what I'm understanding how this works not so, only your ability your ability to come up with quick rules on the fly but to seemingly have justification is always a minute. i always. can i can always justify anything it, I was about the, to say. the logic may be flawed and it may be ridiculous and out there but i can i can work my way around it somewhere but uh 
you know, when, when we look at this matchup, we kind of touched on it a little bit in um, our earlier episode this week, we were breaking down the win over NC state. We kind of uh, teased this a little bit, but line play is going to be such a huge factor in this game because Syracuse has to be able to protect Garrett Schrader. They have to be able to run the ball in order to do that. The offensive line has to have probably its best game of the year against what's going to be the best defensive line that it faces all year. Clemson's defensive line is nasty. They are loaded. They have a ton of NFL guys on it. They are deep. They can rotate guys in and out without any drop off. And Syracuse has to figure out a way to negate that strength as much as possible in order to put up enough points to win the game. When, when you look at this Clemson defensive line, try to give some sort of context to just how good they are. And then what can Syracuse do to try to neutralize some of their effectiveness? Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Um, to give context to like say how good the defensive line is, specifically this year for it for Clemson, um, like every all the different schools and you know, for recruiting purposes, all the different schools have the different hashtags and RBU, wide receiver you, T, whatever you. Clemson's is D-line you, and Clemson's is deserved. And I didn't I didn't even have to go and look this up. You have guys like Destin Lawrence. Christian Wilkinson, Vic Beasley, Kylan, Kylan Farrell. He was a top five pick. And look, that good. He was a top five pick at a Clemson, just largely based off NFL teams drafting on, hey, defensive line guys from Clemson are people that we should be able to trust in the NFL. And for the most part, they've been right. So, given the context of, you know, Clemson being quote unquote D line U, this is an exceptional year for them. This is one of the years to why you will figure out why they're called D line U. You have two, you know, Patrick's being one of the most important aspects of the game. They have two of the best DNs in the country. You talk about the, you talk about a pro, program like Clemson. It's two for former five-star recruits, and they the way that they win and the the the, the swiftness and the just the the, the the technicality behind it just legitimately makes me excited to to see those guys play football. You got a guy Miles Murphy, like I said, talked about it. Physical beast, you know, physical, elite physical specimen, elite first step. You no, know, last week had two sacks in the three, three and a half TFLs versus Florida State. You know, that's a guy that's playing like the best player in college football right now. I know Will Anderson is out in Clemson, is down there in Alabama, waiting to play SU. Um, and he rightfully so probably would be the number one draft pick. When you look at a guy like Miles Murphy, you now like I said, I'm always part of the ATL babies, but that's a guy that well, I can see a guy on along the lines of like a Kevon Thibodeau that to have multiple, you know, 10 sack years in the NFL because you'll see tackles that. You know, he's a technically advanced guy. He has a really good inside rush because he has great speed. But there are matchups that you watch, Mike, on tape that tackles are even – they're out of the play before the play is snapped because he's getting off the ball so fast. So, you're talking about Burge. We're talking about that's a guy that like – I said, we've said it all year. That's a, that's a guy that we're thinking would be in the NFL. Specifically, Murphy, because he'll be aligned at the left defensive end based on the offense. He'll be going up against a guy that will be making money in the NFL rush of the passer. 
So if Bird is as good as we think he is, he'll have to show it a, a today to on Saturday against Miles Murphy. So you got that's that's your marquee. Like I said, you can almost throw all the other matchups. That's your blockbuster one right there. The main one that gets the, the nuanced guys and the people that ultimately may be more important is the matchup on the other side when you got Dakota and uh, KJ Henry. KJ Henry, you know, he's, again, only another other a five-star top 25 recruit. He's only. a guy that wins I mean, Clemson. But again, I know. Stockpile of talent. All Nasty. But he wins. He's he's all he, he, he didn't get to Clemson by not being athletic. But he's a guy that wins with um, technique, great, uh, you know, outside leverage, great ghost rush. He's a guy that, like I said, he – I'm not even going to say he doesn't have the same first step as uh, Miles Murphy, but that's not the way that he wins. He loves to, you know, even pull out a, a spin move, a cross chop. He has a very deep and developed uh, passer's bag. You look at a guy like him and you'll probably like this. Uh, you look at somebody like Kevin McHale in the low post back in the day. You don't even know what kind of move he's going to give you. You know, Cajun Henry, he's 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 a, he's an above-average athlete. But he has so many different ways to beat you, either with, with based on the tag of leverage and depth that there's almost no right way to go on it. So that's the guy that I think that, you know, on third down, that Clemson's going to, like, pin their ears back. They may run some on the other side and be like, KJ, you go beat the tackle, go get it. And, um, you know, we've seen this offensive line struggle with, struggle with not only false starts but holding. But, um, you know, we can look at this game and say, honestly – with the impact and the guy, the way those guys play, I would take a holding 10-yard penalty versus a strip sack, you know, with the way that you know, those guys can get out of the pass because turning that ball over can be just so detrimental based on, you know, Gary's ability and willingness to give it away by himself in any ways and in that Clemson environment. If you have a, a, a chance to score, you need to capitalize. That's not a place where you're going to be able to get in the red zone multiple times and squander away opportunities. So you don't want a lot of holdings, and I'm not definitely not advising that, but – a strip that don't like those guys get to the the pass enough to know to, to reach for the ball and get the ball out. And you don't want that to happen. It's tailgating season and no one does it better than Hoffman's Sausage Company. Beer bratwurst, jalapeno cheddar sausage, kibasi, and bun-length chicken sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German Franks and snappy grillers, and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells. Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. Yeah, and, and here's here's the good thing as far as the environment goes. Syracuse has been in a louder environment multiple times this year, their own. Now, the difference is that loudness was geared towards the other team. Now it's going to be geared towards them. Um, although uh, UConn's a pretty legit environment. No, no, it's not. I'm just joking with you. Um, so you come off mute for that one. I couldn't. You couldn't come off mute for that one. Uh, so yeah, the UConn game does not prepare them much at all for this. Uh, in a lot of ways, not only the caliber of athlete, but that's not a legitimate road environment. Syracuse actually took over that stadium. They had more fans in there than UConn did. Um, but it, the line play and in yeah, the the tackles obviously are important. And Matthew Bergeron has to be what everyone thinks he is, as you, as you mentioned for Syracuse to have a chance, but I'm actually not looking at that matchup when I'm looking at the line play, I'm actually looking at how Syracuse blocks on the interior because I, I know that Syracuse the last couple of games has done a little bit of a better job at trying to get Sean Tucker on the outside and, and uh, do some more stretch plays and some unbalanced lines and things like that. However, I know they want to be able to run the ball between the tackles. They want to be able to run the ball up. The, they want to run the ball right at teams. And that means I think Chris Bleich has to have one of his best days in a Syracuse uniform. Um, I think, and I think Carlos Vettorello, especially when Syracuse has pre-snap penalties, 
he's the probably the number one culprit, the the main guy that does it most often. He's which one is of wild the guys. because he's literally the one responsible he's the center. for starting the play. Yes, he's it's him. So he's he's got it. You know, to your point, I'd rather a hold than a strip sack. So the holding penalties don't bother me as much because it's during a play, right? You're being aggressive and that type of stuff can happen. It's the false starts. It's the things like that, the pre-snap stuff. Yes, because that's discipline. That's that's very fixable. That shouldn't happen. And they've got enough guys that are veteran guys. All those guys have played a lot of football. So they have to be sharp in this game. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to be interested when I watch the game, especially the first couple of possessions, I want to see who's getting the push on the interior at the beginning of the game. Look at because... you trying to get in my papa goodness, man. I'm like, who's controlling the line of scrimmage? Listen, my dad was an offensive lineman, okay? So when I learned football from my dad, we started from the inside out. Inside out. Best so way to learn it. I, I, watch, um, I watch line play probably more than a lot of uh, casual fans or whatever else and especially early in games like i'll admit obviously as game goes on and especially like if i'm watching the eagles as a fan um i'm i'm primarily watching jalen hurts and what is he going to do and oh he gave it to miles sanders i'm going to watch miles sanders and i'm not watching the line play until they show the replay and then i focus on it a little more but when i'm watching syracuse and i'm trying to not only watch the game and see what happens but i'm trying to figure out why things are happening Early in games, I often watch the lines to see who is gaining the advantage at the line of scrimmage because I think that will tell you how things could go the rest of the game. And so I think early on in this game, it's going to be really interesting to see who is getting that early push and who is starting to take control. Because if Syracuse comes out and starts controlling the line of scrimmage early in that game, you're saying, well, wait a minute. This that is not something that almost anyone going into it would have expected that Syracuse's offensive line would have an edge over Clemson's defensive line. So if they come in and start pushing the Clemson defensive line around or even are, you know, kind of in a stalemate, I think that's a big advantage for Syracuse. So early in the game, I'm going to be definitely keeping an eye, especially on the interior, the guards, the center against the interior defensive tackles. I want to see how, how that plays out. Man, it's a tear in my eye listening to you break that down. I can't even lie. <laughs> that just, that's just I can't Fantastic. even, you know, I don't, I don't want to add on, but the only thing I will add on to your wonderful analysis is, like, you have very – when you look at the interior defensive line, that is a, a, a you know, undervalued position. That's a position to where it is like a building block where you will have a lot of defensive schemes where it's relying upon, you know, eat the double team, let the linebackers make the play, and uh, you know what you did, but you're not going to get the counting stuff. That's not only not the scheme that Clinton runs, the personnel – with the talent that they have up front is, interiorly is not the, the way they're going to play. Brian Brise and Tyler Davis, again, or five stars, Brian Brise, the number one overall player in his country as an interior defense lineman, super hard to do. I don't even remember a guy doing that in our era, honestly. He's super hard to do. That's a guy that, you know, he's, again, another probably first-round draft pick. He likes – both their scheme and those guys, they like to get upfield. They like to get knocked back, and they like to play behind the line of scrimmage, whether it's by design or with them like leaning that shoulder and running upfield, flipping uh, flipping the hips and redirecting on zone and things like that. So, like I said, I've said it multiple times this week. That causes you know penetration and disruption will lead to TFLs, but that also leads to a lot of cutback lanes and a lot of big gashes for Sean to run through. Like we've seen them struggle to you know get uh get on get get off the fast starts, break up a lot of chunk plays. You know if you talk about guys like uh, Carlo, talk about Blythe, talk about Kalen, 
if they do are able to not allow, you know, Breeze and Tyler Davis to penetrate as much, there will be chunks. There will be lanes open for Sean to really break off some of those chunk plays like a 38-yarder versus Eastern State. No question. And, and to your point, uh, by the way, I think uh, Josh just predicted 300 yards rushing for Sean Tucker in this game. But that said, um, you know, to, to your point about Clemson and being able to pin their ears back, that's why first and second down are so important for the Syracuse offense, because you've got to stay on schedule, get yourself into third and five or shorter so that they can't do that. If, if you are getting into third and eights and third and nines and, and, and even worse than that on a regular basis, that puts you in such a difficult position. So uh, it's it'll be interesting to see how some of that plays out. Now, on the flip side, the Syracuse is a top 10 defense in the country right now. They're number eight in the country. And actually, if you look at a lot of defensive metrics in terms of um, you know sack rate and points allowed and yards allowed and, and a lot of things like that, in a lot of categories, Syracuse is actually ranked higher than Clemson. So it's... You know, Clemson's defense, I think everyone considers the best in the ACC, but the Syracuse, I think, is coming into this game going, wait a minute. I think y'all need to take a look at us and give us a little bit more respect. So I think Syracuse might come in and play with a little chip on their shoulder defensively. Um, I, I think there's there's two keys to this for Syracuse. We know that the linebackers are, are athletic and fast. We know the secondary is deep and talented. Even if Garrett Williams doesn't play, I still like the Syracuse secondary. My main concern is twofold. One, the 335 on occasion has the tendency to give up um, running plays, especially between the tackle. I think teams teams have had success on it. Clem, uh, UConn had some success running the ball between the tackles on Syracuse a little bit. So Will Shipley is one of the better running backs in the ACC. He can put up some he in the country as well. He can put up some big numbers in a hurry. So Syracuse's ability to stop Will Shipley and be stout against the run is going to be very important in this game, which goes back to line play, but on the other side. Because if, to the same point, if Syracuse can get Clemson off schedule, get them into third and long situations, now Tony White can use his creativeness in bringing up all the linebackers up to the line of scrimmage. Is this guy coming? Is that guy coming? Are all of them coming? Is it only these two? Is it only those two? Is it just the outside guys? And all of those creative things that he does with his pressure packages, they can start getting into some of those to try to confuse Clemson's offensive line and get some pressure on DJU. So um, I, I think I think that's extremely important for Syracuse is trying to, to shut down Will Shipley and not let him dictate uh, you know, sort of tempo and, and how this game is going um, offensively. Second thing is when Clemson does throw the ball, they can't let DJ sit back in the pocket and just take his time, eat a sandwich, write a letter, whatever the mm -hmm. case is. They have to get to him, put pressure on him, and try to force him into some bad decisions. We've seen what happens when he does have a clean pocket, like against Wake Forest, and he was able to pick them apart. That was because the Clemson offensive line did a fantastic job protecting him. So in this game, if Syracuse wants to pre prevent that and get DJ looking a little bit more like he did last year, inconsistent, inaccurate, turnover prone, putting a lot of pressure on him and making him throw the ball quicker and not able to go through his progressions, panic a little bit, looking for the pressure instead of looking downfield, early pressure can really help Syracuse in that respect. Now nah, that's true. Like you say, you're talking about DJ. Even la even coming into the season, like that was no, that's not a thing to where you thought that him being a, being being able to sit in the pocket and pick you apart was not an option, a viable option for him. 
So, you know, shout out to him. Props to him for, you know, showing that level of improvement in the game and making it a thing on the scouting report for SU. But, yeah, completely agree. Um, got a guy like JT, had two sacks last week. Um, you know, yeah. One of the things about the just having a running the defensive front that only has three down linemen is the fact that you need to have two ends that are strong to the point of uh, that at the run game because it's literally only you're going from four down linemen to three down linemen. So, as you know, it's definitely a play style where you see on this team where you do emphasize linebackers being able to bring pressure, your linebackers being your primary playmakers versus guys like, again, this four-man Clemson front. But ultimately, I think that, yes, you're right. And I think that SU should have a decent enough time, you know, being successful and putting pressure on DJU and also shutting down a guy like Will Shipley. You know, like I said, I'm a, you're, Will Shipley is one of the better running backs in the country, but I, 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 got, I like Malik Cunningham and his ability to elude guys more than Will Shipley. He's a great back. He's a guy that has legitimate Heisman, um, you know, odds. But in terms of ability to be elusive and miss guys and make plays, you know, I don't see Will Shipley on that type of level. And I know that you got guys like Kellen Marlowe that are, I wrote, are have came to SU to play games like this. A national, a highly Ballyhoo Clemson team, a highly Ballyhoo offensive skill guy could be. It don't matter if it was Antonio Williams, Bo Collins, Trevor Lawrence, whoever the. In a, the biggest enemy with the best player is my job to go out there and tackle them. So I think based on the season, knowing these guys and you know their mindset and just seeing the built up the pent up momentum, Will Shipley would probably take up a lot of the frustration out from Michael and Marlowe. And then you know that's not nobody's fault, but it'll be to the Jordan FSU fans. Yeah, no question. Um now the one thing I'll say uh before we get into predictions here is as far as an underrated part of this game because all of those stars are going to be the focus, right? The Will Shipley's and the DJU and the Garrett Schrader's and the Sean Tucker. And Oh, by the way, we haven't even talked about Aranda gets and how Clemson's going to try to defend him. Um, that's going to be an interesting part of this game as well. But I think special teams, if Syracuse is going to win this game, I think they have to win special teams. They certainly can't lose it because you can't afford to have something like, um, you know, a 35 yard field goal from um, Andre Schmidt. He misses it or, um, you get a punt blocked or they return a kickoff for a touchdown. You can't have those type of plays when you're trying to pull off an upset. Those are the plays you need to make to try to um, minimize the gap or the perceived talent gap between you and the team that you're trying to upset. It, it's it's things like that that can help even things out. So Syracuse winning on special teams, good kick coverage, maybe forcing a turnover on special teams or blocking a kick and then returning it. Uh, stuff like that, I think, can go a long way towards uh, Syracuse being competitive in this game. Uh, that means Andre Schmidt has to be on point. Uh, you know, they're so uh, paying you a guy we haven't talked about a lot. A big play with him would be very nice. In this that game. that would be huge. He's he's had a couple of nice returns this year. He hasn't broke one. Um, he did catch a touchdown pass last year against Clemson, um, ironically. So, you know, maybe he has a big return in this game that can either go to the house or set Syracuse up in good field position. Um, Max von Marburg, the, the punter, has to has to be on point. He can't have a shank like he did last week against NC State. Um, and 
it, all of those things are are extremely important in a game like this. But I think Syracuse is going to be focused. I think they're going to come in and give give Clemson everything they've got. So, you know, I, I don't think there'll be a poor performance or a performance where they look disinterested. I think they'll be ready to go. They'll be fired up and, uh, you know, they'll do everything they can to, to try to pull off this upset. All that said, Josh, it's prediction time. So we'll start with you. The end of the night, who is still undefeated, has control of the Atlantic Division, and who is um, home crying, asking for their mama? Thanks. You always play such a drastic pick. I mean, I that's that. that's my job. Um, <laughs> man, it's you know, even just speaking about me getting sentimental. You know, I've loved the fact that I've been able to come in this community and be embraced so quickly, and you know, people like you have been able to make opportunities for me, and the team has been able to help me out by being so good. And, you know, a lot of the guys on the team, like I said, I do have a relationship with them. It's a very much a, a situation that's been very comfortable for me to come into. And it does feel like a loss, you know, what kind of burst that bubble a little bit. But, again, Papa Crawford has made an appearance on this podcast before. He will again tonight. The fair only comes around twice a year, and even then, you got to pay for it. It would not be <laughs> fair for Clemson to win this game, but fair is not how it rolls. One team got a bunch of five stars, another team doesn't. You know, and that'll show it. I think in games like this where you have two tough veteran teams, that – that that small, not even it may not even be small. That talent disparity that you're talking about, it shows up in four to five key plays. A guy makes a catch you're not supposed to make. A guy defend makes a play on defense you're not supposed to make. I mean, stuff like that. So we see like that's why uh, being Cardi. I said being Cardi. I don't even know the ESPN. That's why two four seven made that guy five star in high school. Like it's just certain moments where you know those those things will show up. So I got Clemson by touch. Yeah, that's that's fair. I I think uh, this is one where if Syracuse was playing in the dome, I'd actually feel pretty good about picking them to to upset Clemson. Uh, but given that it's at Clemson, Clemson has won thirty seven games in a row at home. I believe it is. Um, that's that's just insane. It's one of the most difficult places to play in the country. Uh, part of that is because they're always really good, and their home their home crowds are always fantastic. Uh, the other thing that I will say is everything I've heard from Syracuse fans is that Clemson fans are among the most hospitable in the ACC, that they are. If you go watch a game there in Clemson, like that's not a place where you have to worry about being treated poorly or some drunk idiot throwing something at you. Or, you. Oh, say that out loud. Oh, well, uh, we have certainly earned our reputation on that. There's no question. But, uh, you know, so I've, I've heard nothing but good things, you know, that if, if you show up and, and want to tailgate that, Obviously, 90% of the tailgate is going to be Clemson, but they'll come over and chit-chat with you and invite you over to their tailgate. And um, everything I've heard has been um, really positive on that. So shout out to the Clemson fans for for being welcoming to, to Syracuse when they've come in. It helps that um, they always seem to beat Syracuse pretty easily when they play down there. Um, but, you know, that that certainly helps. But uh, I know you're going to beat you. Go ahead and have a little, little, that's little right. hot dog. Here's, here's a hot dog. Enjoy your L. That's right. Um, but... You know, this this is the first time that Syracuse, I think, has had not to the same level, but they've had NFL talent at multiple positions on both sides of the ball going up against Clemson. It's been a worthy opponent. Yes, it's really the first time that they've that they've been that and been able to match up. And it's not just all about schematics and Clemson playing a little bit down and Syracuse playing way above their head in order to be competitive. It's it's not that. Um so 
you know, the, t- the couple of times that Syracuse has been competitive 2017, when they won um, and they upset Clemson, then 2018, when they almost won at Clemson uh, in both of those games, Clemson starting quarterback got knocked out of the game. Um, I, I don't think DJ is going to get knocked out of this one. Um, but I, I've gone back and forth in this. I want to say a lot so of much. dancing. I love it though. A lot of dancing. A lot of dancing. Um, I'm I'm going to pick Clemson 31-21. I think this is going to be a game where it's close most of the way, and it's something like early fourth quarter. It's you know 21-17 or or 24-21, and Syracuse has the ball and um, either you know a three and out that gives Clemson a good field position, and Clemson goes out and scores and kind of puts the game away, or you know, maybe a, a turnover for a touchdown or something like that kind of cements the game. I see it kind of playing out like that, which is almost kind of how it played out the last time they were there. Syracuse was competitive, even though Syracuse wasn't very good. I believe it was their one in 10 season. And that was a ball game into the, uh, into the second half, mid to late third quarter. And then Clemson pulled away. I think it'll be kind of similar to that. The difference is when they pull away, it won't end up being like a 41-17 game. It'll end up being like a 31-21 game. But Syracuse is going to make some plays. They're going to have opportunities. But uh, I I think they're just a tick below the level of what Clemson is. And to your point, as far as, you know, to feel like this might burst the bubble a little bit, I don't think so at all. I think if Syracuse is competitive, and or I should say I don't think it should um, if Syracuse is competitive and it's a 31-21 game, you were competitive at Clemson. I think all that does is solidify that your ranking and your 6-0 start was not a fluke, that you are a very good team, and that you should come back and feel really confident going up against a Notre Dame team that has really struggled to score this year, playing them in the Dome. And I still think a competitive game against Clemson where you don't get blown out and you're right there the whole way, I still think the college game day should give Syracuse serious consideration. So that's what I'll say on that 31, 21 Clemson. If I'm wrong, I will gladly eat crow the next week and we can continue our bring on Bama or bring on Georgia, Tennessee, whoever talk for another week, but that'll do it for episode 53 of the believe in Syracuse podcast for Josh Crawford. I'm Mike McAllister and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.